Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Raleigh, Curtis Blades versus Junior Dos Santos, and Shaq, it's going down this Saturday in North Carolina. Curtis Blades trying to take out the former champion, Junior Cigano Dos Santos. Yeah, Curtis Blades, we know that his only two losses are to the number one contender, Francis Ngannou, and he's trying to prove that he's the best heavyweight that's not named Stipe or uh, Francis. So, JDS is a legend, a good name to have on your resume. JDS, at one point in time, was thought to be uh, on his way to being the greatest heavyweight ever. Now, I'm sure uh, he's looking to redeem himself on Saturday night. Yeah, man, like you mentioned, the only losses of Curtis Blades' career have both been to Francis Ngannou and that run. That Junior Cigano went on from his UFC debut, that that upset knockout over Fabricio Wardoom, all the way to his first title defense against Frank Mir. Truly a legendary run in my eyes, and uh, it's always nice to see a guy like Cigano get a big knockout win. And on the flip side, Curtis Blades, uh, when he imposes his will... He sets uh, takedown records, and he uh, destroys guys' faces with elbows. Yeah, 100%. This guy, his last fight, man, was super dominant. Broke uh, Shamil uh, Abdurahimov's nose. That was a vicious win. And I know we uh, remember what he did to Big Titty. I mean, uh, Big Pretty, uh, <laughs> Justin Willis, man. He, uh, he put it on him, so Curtis has been looking good. Yeah, it's going to be a great main event. I mean, it's just such a next logical step for a guy like Curtis Blades. This is a fresh matchup. We haven't seen either guy fight yet against each other. And historically speaking, both styles have presented problems for the other one. Curtis Blades has been knocked out twice by a heavy striker. And Junior Cigano has lost uh, to wrestlers throughout his career. So I can't wait to see uh, who wins this stylistic uh, matchup. Yeah, 100%. Co-main event, you got the former champion, Dos Anjos. He's looking to make his return. He's been fighting, I mean, as tough as competition as it can get, man. I mean... This guy's fought a murderer's row, and he's taking on Kiesa, and also another a former 55er, and Kiesa's 2-0 at 170's been looking good. Man, it's interesting, because Kiesa's a guy that's always often counted out, and he surprised me throughout his entire career, and uh, with Rafael Dos Anjos, I mean, look, if you would have told me this fight was matched up a couple years ago, I mean, I'd bet the house on Rafael Dos Anjos, and it still might be that kind of result, but I always find myself surprised by what Kiesa does in there. He's very deceptive, so I can't wait to break that fight down and to see how it actually plays out. We want to give a shout-out to all our fans for all your support. You can get our bets at bestfightpicks.com. Make sure you use that promo code 2020 to get 20% off our VIP package, which is my bets and Shaq's bets combined. If you guys are more interested in dealing with us individually, you can get Shaq's plays. Use that promo code Shaq for 10% off or use my promo code Dan for 10% off as well. Now, Shaq, Let's break down this whole car start to finish, man, because first up in the featherweight division, we got two UFC debutantes. We got the former M1 champion, Nate Landwehr, he's 13-2, and and Herbert Burns is 9-2. and Currently, they got Nate the Train Landwehr, minus 120. The comeback on Herbert Burns is plus 100. Well, Shaq, uh, this should be a very exciting fight to kick things off, man. And obviously, with a guy like Nate Landwehr, if you just watch this guy's highlight reel automatically you're going to be a fan of his and you're going to respect the fact that he could be a very entertaining commodity in the UFC guys got a guys got quite the I don't want to call it a gimmick because you know maybe that's really who he is but man uh, very exciting to watch fights with a lot of balls a lot of intensity and when you're talking about a guy like Herbert Herbert Burns obviously he's been a black belt since 2009-2010 uh we're talking about a decade or more as a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, uh, it only takes one back take with this guy or one submission attempt, really, to finish a fight. So it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. In your opinion, do you think Nate Landwehr can survive the 
amazing jujitsu of Herbert Burns. Yeah, I mean, there's been a, a lot of hype on both guys coming in. Herbert's, uh, Gilbert's, is it his big brother or his little brother? Uh, I know that Gilbert's been a black belt longer. So well, he's a he's a he's Gilbert's brother. Gilbert's been doing his thing now, uh, and then you got Nate Landor, who's got a lot of hype beating these Russians down in M one. Nate, the train. I mean, I think he's a tough kid, a gritty kid. He moves forward in his fights, but you got to think, man. In a lot of his fights, he took a lot of damage, and also like kind of what we said last week uh, about Askarov. Even though Askarov did get the win, thirty twenty seven, I think it was. But uh, just because their names are Cosmod, and I still think that Nate Landwehr is a entry level UFC fighter. You know, I don't think he is ready to fight with these uh, top dogs that some people say that he is. Now, Herbert Burns. Uh, fight on contender series i mean was it that impressive no he fought Derek minner who's a journeyman level fighter and he submitted him as he should have uh he's lost to russians in the past before uh the guy that actually uh flying knee damon jackson i can't pronounce his first name but herbert burns lost to that guy in dominant fashion he lost to idrizov in dominant fashion both in pfl and uh seems like he went to titan fought luis gomez some lesser competition in the uh Got his first round sub, so I do think Leighton Landwehr is more towards that uh, entry level, you know, uh, fighter in the UFC, and I think that Herbert Burns has a significant, a significant advantage on the mat. Like you said, one back take, this could be over. An armbar attempt, you know, he might switch it up to a triangle. I mean, there's no guarantees that Nate Landwehr is gonna get back up, and not to mention, if you watch uh, Nate the Train's fights, he's been dropped multiple times in multiple. Uh, in a lot of his fights, I mean, a lot of his fights come down to the wire. They're close. He is very exciting. I wouldn't be shocked if he got to Herbert late, but I think Herbert's probably going to take him down and get a submission here, man. I think that uh, Nate's been taken down several t uh, times in his fights. Uh, I'm just not 100% sure that he's going to be able to survive this. So I'm going to take uh, Herbert Burns by submission. Yeah, and you talk about the competition that Nate Landward's been fighting. I mean, he has been over there. He's the. It's just a cool story to see an American go out there to Russia and win a belt in Russia and then become a star over there. Because at first, you know, they're booing you. They they don't like a any non-Russian over there beating Russians. But eventually, if you can prove yourself that you're a legit fighter, they start to gain that respect for you, and he became a star over there. And he was fighting in those mountains, the same spots that Evloev was in. So you got to give the guy a lot of credit. The thing is, man, I've seen him taken down in multiple fights, dropped like Shaq mentioned, and you got to admire the guy's toughness. He, he fights through it, but can he fight through it with a jiu-jitsu black belt of the caliber of Herbert Burns? And I'm not just hyping this guy up for no reason. And, you know, he, he doesn't have some padded record. He didn't fight some soft competition. I mean, look, everyone's fought a couple softballs here and there, but we're talking about a guy in Herbert Burns that went out there and defeated Timofey, who, by the way, Timofey knocked out Eddie Alvarez. And we're talking about a guy in Herbert Burns that went out there and finished Luis Gomez in the first round. If you guys don't know who Luis Gomez is... If you beat Luis Gomez, you belong in the UFC. <laughs> look, Luis Gomez knocked out Sodiq Youssef. Luis Gomez had a great fight with Danny Ige. I mean, look, going out there and not just beating that guy, but beating him the way he did. One Chase takedown, Super. one back take, and the fight was over shortly after. Much more Chase Hooper fought him, too. And you saw what Chase Hooper did? <laughs> But man, uh, as far as this fight is concerned, I, I know the the striking of Herbert Burns is often criticized, and I just feel like I don't want to make the same mistake I made with his brother. I know they're different people. I know they're not the same fighter, but I was always criticizing this, the striking defense of, of Gilbert when he was first starting in his UFC career, and then he'd go out there and tap these guys out anyway. So it's like, I'm not going to make that same mistake twice, but I see Nate having a bright future in the UFC, but I'm going to go with Herbert Burns via first-round submission.
Now, next up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Brett Johns, he's 15-2, and, and Tony Gravely is 19-5. and five. Currently, they got Tony Gravely minus 115 and Brett Johns is minus 105. This is a very exciting matchup in the Bantamweight division. Obviously, people remember Brett Johns uh, for his three-round fights against the number two Bantamweight on planet Earth, Aljamain Sterling, and the number five Bantamweight on planet Earth, Pedro Munoz. Very exciting fights that didn't go his way. But before that, he was a 15-0 top prospect. Now he's looking to bounce back against a guy like Tony Gravely. And with Gravely, look, this is a guy that's paid his dues to get that UFC call. I mean, he's 19-5. and This is going to be his 25th pro fight. And not only that, but this guy is a D1 wrestler. And he often gets uh, takedowns in most of his fights. Now, the issue with that is that, look, there's no issues with him getting takedowns in his fights. But the issue I have with his style is that it doesn't seem like his jiu-jitsu or his striking is anywhere near the level of his wrestling. And what I mean by that is he'll take the guys down, but then he'll often be open to scrambles. And I've seen him submitted more than once. I've seen him submitted more than twice. I've seen him submitted more than thrice. I've seen this guy uh, submitted a good amount of times. And I think if he leaves one little opening here against a guy like Brett Johns, I think it, I think the fight will be over shortly after, man. Brett Johns is a very opportunistic guy. You saw that calf slicer against a guy like Joe Soto. That's what he's capable of. And uh, I've seen guys who don't have the grappling credentials of a Brett Johns. And what I mean by that, the guy is a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, by the way. These guys like Ray Rodriguez are going out there and taking the back of Tony Gravely. And I, I think that's a, that's a bad sign here against Brett Johns, uh, who's very hungry after those two very tough fights, man. Do think that Tony Gravely will win some UFC fights? I don't think he's going to win his debut. I'm going to go with Brett Johns here via submission. Yeah, Brett Johns, I'm glad to see him back after those two losses. Uh, you know, he was a favorite against Al Jermaine, and things didn't go his way. But then the Pedro fight, I just think it was a case of Brett just not being ready for that level of competition. He's only fighting Joe Soto. No offense to Joe Soto, but, you know, Joe Soto's a very, you know, hot, streaky type of guy. You know, Joe Soto lost to uh, Tanaka. <laughs> you remember that? But, uh, and then I just think that it was, I mean, he's Pedro Munoz is out here finishing, you know, Caraway, finishing Rob Font, finishing... Got a bunch of finishes. Having so. wars with Aljo. <laughs> yeah, having wars with Aljo. So, yeah, Brett Johns has definitely seen a level of the sport. Gravely, this is a tough debut fight. The big factor here is, uh, is Brett fine from all the damage that he took in those fights? Because there was times where he was turning away. There was times. But, I mean, look, man, Pedro's got some vicious teeps. This guy seems like more of a wrestler. I probably don't think he's ready for this level of competition. But, hey, maybe this is a good time to catch Brett. You know, he is off two losses. His confidence might be a little down. Who knows? But uh, contender series fighters in their debut, they they kind of do win uh, most of the time, like we saw with uh, Kamor and Ledette. Not saying this is it, but he is coming off two losses, and uh, you know it, it it probably is that type of fight. But I'm gonna take Brett Johns. I just think he's seen a a, a different level of the uh, of the sport, and I think it's gonna show in the in the three rounds. Now next up in the bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Sarah McMahon, who's 11 and five, and Lena Landsberg, who's 10 and four. Currently, they got Sarah McMahon minus 155, and the comeback on Lena Landsberg is plus 135. Well, I mean, Shaq, I think we can both agree Sarah McMahon's the more well-rounded fighter, the better athlete, the this, the that. But is she going to uh, have a 10-8 first round and then pull the most epic stunt you've ever seen here in the second I mean, uh, we've got, I mean, we called her last two fights to a T. I mean, we, you know, we said that she was going to... She would definitely find a way to quit at some point. <laughs> I 
I mean, look, Sarah is definitely, like you said, the better athlete, stronger, faster, more powerful. Um, but now, you know, she's had this second, the second kid. Um, Lena Landsberg, look, she's been, she's been shocking me her last two fights. Big underdog against Chaizan and, uh, and Tanya Evinger. And, hey, man, she can definitely split girls open with those elbows and, you know, manipulate them in the clinch and, uh, win rounds and tee off on them with the elbows. And, uh, man, let me ask you this. If Sarah McMahon gets cut open, what, what do you think is going to happen? We know it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, it's just a matter of Lena can just stop the takedowns. Look, she's been taken down several times in her fights against Kunitskaya, even Avenger. But, uh, man, she's been dealing with it a little better these last two fights. I know you remember the Aspen Lad fight as well. So she's definitely had her struggles in that department. McMahon is probably definitely going to take her down. It's just a matter of her staying in it, getting this into the late rounds. Because we know what happens when McMahon comes back out for that second round after she's had a dominant first round. She just seems to fold. and After she dominates <laughs> you and then tells her coach she yeah, can't feel her I face. Mean, she tells her coaches she can't feel her face. She's took in multiple knees. Between you and me, I know it was Ronda Rousey, but that was a stun. <laughs> you know, people were like, oh my God, Ronda's knees are so powerful. Like, nah, like Sarah McMahon just quit, bro. Um, so... She's a, I mean, Sarah McMahon is a grade A quitter. There's no, there's no doubt about it. There's definitely a chance. She, but I mean, obviously she's the, she's the more skilled fighter. So, I mean, knowing from the betting perspective, I mean, you have to know that if you're betting Landsberg, it, I don't want to say it's a dart, be, but it's like Sarah McMahon is way stronger than her. I mean, she took down Kellen Vieira. She took down uh, Marion Renault easily. It's just that when she got hit on the face, she uh, went down. So I'm saying Sarah McMahon probably uh, does the same thing again. She probably 10-8 Lena in the first round, mounts her. The fight might almost get stopped. <laughs> um, but then second round, she's probably going to be a little tired, be completely fatigued. And then uh, Lena's going to completely, you know, change the course of the fight with an elbow, probably split her open. And Lena will win the next two rounds for a decision win. So I'm going to take Lena Landsberg for an upset and then get on a three-fight win streak. Uh, how, how old is she? 38 years old. It seems like her last, it seems like her last two fights, man that uh, she just seems a little bit more into it. Maybe she was a little upset from the Kunitskaya fight. At least she's dealing with the takedowns a lot better. Uh, I, I've been noticing improvements. You know, her her, uh, her dude, Corisani. My boy, Corisani, was a, he was a decent fighter back in his day. I mean, he, used to, he had a good fight with Dustin back in the day. But uh, I'm, I'm going to take Lena Landsberg for the upset, man. I think she's tougher, and I think, just think McMahon will find a way to quit again. Man, uh, yeah, I mean, I think you hit it on the head. It's a... Uh... McMahon's the better fighter everywhere, physically, just not in in the mental department. And what stun is she gonna pull here in the second round? Like, what epic stun is she about to come out here and pull? So, I'm gonna say, uh, I'm gonna say cut stoppage in the second round due to elbows. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with Lena Landsberg here. Now, next up in the bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Montel Jackson. He's eight and one, and Felipe Colares is nine and one. Currently, they got Montel Jackson minus 650, and the comeback on Felipe Colares is plus 475. So Montel opened minus 610, so not you know not too much action has been coming in. He, he's stayed relatively around the same price, and 
I mean, look, this is a kid that you and I have been hyping up since before he was in the UFC. Now other people are starting to notice the talent he brings to the table. But I got to tell you what, Felipe Colares went out there and busted a lot of parlays uh, against Domingo Pilarte in his Bantamweight debut. He was a completely different fighter than when he fought Geraldo de Freitas at 145, just physically and just he had to the, focus on cardio. the performance uh, <laughs> that he put on. So do you think he's at all live for a guy that has been compared to John Jones, has been c- compared to Aljamain Sterling, has, you know, we got to mention, he's got bigger hands than Francis Ngannou. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. We haven't seen for ourselves if that's true or not. Allegedly, but, uh, his gloves are bigger than Ngannou's. <laughs> but, I mean, he did grab Ricky Simon's uh, hand that one time. I do want to say this, you know, normally... I mean, look, he's going to have the reach advantage in every fight he's in, but normally it's a seven-inch reach advantage. Here, it's only a three-inch reach advantage. Uh, this kid, Felipe, is kind of on the bigger side for Bantamweights. Yeah, I you mean... give Felipe a shot? I got a lot of respect for Kolaris. He trains at Team Noguera with Davi Ramos and those guys over there. That's a really solid camp. You know, they got Ari Farias, uh, you know... Uh, Eric Silva's little bro, uh, Gabriel. I mean, that's a, that's a little team they got over there. So, you know, Felipe Calares definitely busted a lot of parlays against Pilarte. Kind of similar uh, approach, you know, striking-wise, southpaws long. Uh, so I'm, I'm sure Felipe thinks he's uh, about to come in here and pull, in a, pull off an upset. But I just think that Montel, with the, all this time off, I think he's had eight months off. I mean, God only knows how much better he's gotten since then. Let's not forget this guy came into the UFC after only being a pro for like a year, you know, so like this guy literally just turned pro and just hopped straight into the game, kind of similar to John Jones, that's why we're getting the comparisons, Jones, you know, very little training, but just serious uh, genetics and a serious athlete, so I think Montel Jackson, no matter, uh, no matter, I think he just gets the win here uh, more than likely if he has to play it safe and, uh, you know, if it's one of those type of fights because, you know, sometimes when it's lined like this, he might try to play it safe and not risk too much. But I think that Calares, although he uh, beat Pilarte, he still gassed out a little bit in, the, in that last round, got his back taken. And if you do something like that against uh, against a guy like Montel, he's probably going to get finished. So I got Montel by third round TKO. I think the Calares will not have success, but Montel will respect him early. He has a hard body kick. The dude comes to bang. He's a tough, tough Brazilian black belt. But in the late rounds, Montel will get to him and get a finish. And I got to make a quick correction. I said he only had a three-inch reach advantage. He actually does have a six-inch reach advantage in this fight. But I do stand by what I said, that Felipe is kind of a bigger bantamweight. You know, he's five foot eight. But look, in this matchup, it's, it's one of those things where I truly do believe Montel Jackson's the guy that we're hyping him up to be. And, you know, sometimes you're wrong on these guys, but I don't think he's one of the ones that we're wrong on, man. I mean, you know, the comparisons to John Jones... It, you know, it, you know, he it, obviously physically speaking, you know how he looks. He's long and lanky. This and that has the reach advantage in all his fights, but also the fighting style. Man, he, he's very disciplined and technical out there. Keeps his hands up high. Doesn't take a lot of damage at all, and he can do things that other guys can't do. Obviously, like you mentioned. In that Ricky Simone fight, when he's in the worst possible position that you can be in in an MMA fight, which is fully back-mounted, face-down, ass-up, you know, the fights get ended in that spot, Shaq, and this guy's arms are so goddamn long that he was able to hold Ricky Simon's arms. He couldn't get off on any punches. It was yeah. unlike anything I've ever seen. It's uh, And real quick, I forgot to mention in that Sarah McMahon uh, fight breakdown, I apologize to, to you know, to, to cut the Montel one real quick, but... 
Do you remember when when Sarah McMahon fully mounted Caitlin Vieira and she missed with all her ground and pound shots? I mean, Sarah's a great A stunt pillar, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but back to Montel Jackson. Look, uh, the, I'm just excited to see what kind of improvements he's made since April when we saw him fight in Atlanta. Like, you know, from from the Kelleher fight to that fight. I mean, the guy just looks better every single fight. You're going to see him drop guys with hands, with elbows, with kicks, with knees. And then on the mat, you're going to see him choke people out with his long limbs. I, I just see a very dominant future for him. And although I respect Felipe Colares, like you said, hard body kicks, black belt in jiu-jitsu. The guy comes to fight every single time. I just think that Montel Jackson is too much for him. So I will go with uh, Montel Jackson, the big favorite as well. Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Justine Keish, who's six and two, and Lucia Pudilova, who's eight and five. Currently, they got Lucia Pudilova minus one sixty-five, and the comeback on Justine Keish is plus one forty-five. Well, Shaq, uh, Lucia Pudilova, after that epic fight Lucia had with Irena Aldana, she hasn't quite been able to string any wins together, any wins together, and the last two were very underwhelming performances on her part. But in your opinion, is she able to come out here and get a win over Justin Keish, who does have wins over top 15 opponents in Nina Ansarov and Randa Marcos, but is coming off a big layoff, surgeries, and two losses as well? No, to mention the shitting in the cage. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's going to be a good fight. Pudi Lova uh, is also one of these girls that I feel like kind of got rushed up a little bit. She is how old? So I feel like Lucy Pudi Lova is one of these uh, fighters that kind of got uh, rushed up a little bit. Irina Aldana is currently top five in the world. She uh, lost that fight by split decision. It was a great fight, fight of the night. She showed her heart in that fight. Uh, but, you know, she was only like 23 at the time uh, of that fight. And then she fought... Uh, after that fight, she took a fight with Liz Carmouche coming off that fight. And although, you know, Liz Carmouche is not in the company anymore and, you know, she uh, pulled that stunt against Valentina, not necessarily a stunt, but she just didn't fight in that fight. I mean, she's fought for a title uh, two times. She's beaten Chukagian. I mean, Liz Carmouche is a legit uh, uh, fighter in that division. So I think that... Uh, and then her fight with Shevchenko. Shevchenko definitely uh, that was definitely was a, <laughs> a bad grappling decision on that in the, on that choke. But I still think that those girls are a lot better than Justin Keish. I think Justin Keish, when she initially came into the UFC, definitely had a lot of steam behind her. You know, she was able to get those wins over Androv at the time. But at the time, Androv was still in the in those developing stages. Androv was losing to Juliana Lima back then. Kind of really wasn't fully in it. So although that's a it's a good win on her resume, I I just don't see. I just think that uh it was a circumstantial win and I, I think that Keisha's is a very tough girl but I just think she's overly aggressive I think she makes bad mistakes on the mat so, I mean Lucy Lucy did as well but I think that Keish man the, the Felice Herrick fight I mean she came out right away and got her back taken fully mounted I mean she got there was 30 25 scorecard so I think that Justine Keish is, is a tough girl you know, obviously, uh, minus 165 on a on a girl that's lost three fights in a row. But I just think it's a different level of competition. And not to mention the Gian Kim fight with Keish. You know, people are under the assumption that it was a robbery. I mean, I, I don't see how it was a robbery. It was a ugly fight. I mean, <laughs> it was close. The judges scored it one way, and, and it was in her hometown. So it was in North Carolina. So I, I'm going to go with Lucy Putalova by... 30-27 decision. I just think she's going to be a lot cleaner. I think Keish is going to be overly aggressive. And I think uh, 
you know, off the surgery, I think that's uh, more in uh, Lucy's favor, and I think Lucy will get the win. Man, it's a very exciting fight because, obviously, Justine Keish, like I already mentioned, she already has that experience of going out there beating two top 15 opponents in Random Marcos and Nina Ansaroff. And with Lucia Putalova, she comes to fight. She's very exciting. Both these ladies are going to go forward, and they're going to throw big shots at each other. So it could be a very exciting three-round fight. But the thing here is, man, Lucia Putalova, I feel like people are giving her a little bit too much credit. And I'm not trying to discredit her at all because she is very, very exciting. And I enjoy watching her fight. I mean, you remember, like I said, that three-round war with Irene Aldana. The massive elbow she landed uh, against uh, Shevchenko, you know, that, that that caused that big cut. So I enjoy watching her fight. But, man, she has these lapses in all of her fights that, that cost her big. And I think we're looking at a very motivated Justin Keish. I mean, this is do or die right here. She's been spending, uh, she moved to the Performance Institute. She's been doing her thing there. So we're going to see what happens here. But if Justin Keish gets back to what I originally liked uh, in her UFC career early on, which is that forward pressure that intensity she she used to break girls by outwilling them and if she can get back to that i think she's going to come out here and beat lucia pudilova via decision now next up in the featherweight division we got a matchup between arnold allen he's 15 and 1 and nick lentz is 30 and 10 currently they got arnold allen minus 260 and the comeback on nick lentz is plus 220 well shaq the carny nick lentz always a tough out but this kid arnold allen has been impressing a lot of people very young hot prospect at uh 145 you think he passes uh the nick lentz test i mean he was supposed to fight josh emmett i'm i'm, I'm sure he's feeling a, a little bit more comfortable now that he's got lentz no offense to lentz lentz is a Lentz is a, a, I don't want to say a pioneer of the sport, but I mean, he's a guy that, he's been in the UFC for at least, how long, 10 years? I don't want to say he's a pioneer of the sport, but I mean, we've been, he's been in the UFC for 11 years now. I mean, he's held his job. He's got a, a you know, a very good record. I mean, Nick Lentz is a, is a dog, man, a serious vet. We, I mean, we know what we're getting with Lentz. He's not going to, he's dropping back to 45s. Uh, he's probably trying to recreate some magic. He, you know, this is probably the, the last run of his uh, career. Uh, Arnold Allen is definitely the better fighter, in my opinion. It's just, you know, he can't fall into the vet tricks. You know, guys like Lentz uh, were able to sneak up on Scott Holtzman. You remember when everyone thought Scott Holtzman was about to <laughs> knock Nick Lentz out? And Nick Lentz had to sneak up on everybody there and uh, show you that... Uh, not tonight. So, who? By the way, you know Scott Holt, Scott Holtzman's fighting Jim Miller. That's gonna be a, <laughs> gonna be a little banger. Yeah. We're gonna have a knock. Yeah, that's gonna be a good fight. But uh, I think that Arnold Allen, if as long as he continues to do what he's uh, doing in in his recent fights, which is staying disciplined, turning it up in in the late rounds, how he does in the last thirty seconds, he's got he's got a very bright future ahead of him. And it could always be first L time. Nick Lenz has a very good guillotine, but I think that Arnold Allen is headed to a very good future here. I think he should be in these rankings here soon. And Nick Lentz is uh, the next step. I actually like this a lot better than the Emmett fight. The Emmett fight, you know, that was that was going to be a fucking... I mean, Josh Emmett's one of the hardest-hitting guys at 145. Nick Lentz is... That factor is probably going to uh, not be... Uh, not be an issue here and we've seen nick lentz struggle with southpaws in the past when he fought david tamor david tamor was able to stay at distance and pick him apart rather easily for a 30 27 victory 
so I think Arnold Allen can do something very similar. And Arnold's definitely struggled with the, the wrestling in the past, but I feel like it's gotten better fight to fight. I mean, when Jordan, everyone thought Jordan Rinaldi was going to tr- uh, take him down, and he shrugged those off very easily. I just think that Mads Brunel has some underrated takedown uh, technique, and Mads Brunel's been still winning fights, so I, th- I wouldn't put that much stock into it. I think that he's going to be significantly sharper than Lance, faster than him, and I feel like he's going to make... Uh, Nick Lentz look a step behind. I think Nick Lentz will probably go all three rounds, but I just see Arnold Allen winning all three. Nick Lentz is coming off a vicious KO loss. You never know uh, what trajectory his career is going to head being in the UFC 11 years. I mean, this is where uh, the wheels fall off for some guys, man. I mean, he's had a great run, man. So I think Arnold Allen's going to come in here and get the win and and move on to the uh, top 15. Yeah, I think the hesitation some people have with playing Allen here is the fact that they might have bet Scott Holtzman big against Nick yeah, Lance, that's what it is. and, and uh, you know Nick Lance ruined those plans. Barely, it was a very close fight. But I think what you guys got to understand is Arnold Allen's like a decade younger than Scott Holtzman. And no disrespect to Scotty, I'm a fan. I'm just saying that Arnold Allen brings something different to the table. He's got top fifteen potential. I mean, he's already in the top fifteen, right? If I'm not mistaken, is is he not? Oh, he's not. Wow. Arnold Allen's not a top fifteen yeah. fighter. But uh. I'm not going to talk shit about any of these guys. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so... He hasn't, he hasn't had that win yet. Anyways, uh... So, with Arnold Allen, I've always thought the kid was talented, but, man, his last two fights, I- I'm really starting to see it. Like, I- I'm starting to see that top 15 potential because that jordan Rinaldi fight, man, that was, that was a brilliant performance. I mean, the way he controlled that fight... And he basically did whatever he wanted to do. And when it was time to turn up, it was time to turn up. And he outclassed uh, Jordan Rinaldi in a way where it was time to give him, uh, you know, a step up against, uh, you know, an aging legend. And he uh, took full advantage when he fought Gil Melendez, schooled him bell to bell. Ar- Arnie's a well-rounded guy, man. I mean, people criticize his grappling, but I saw him in that fight against Maquan Amirkani getting back up against uh, almost all of those takedown attempts. I mean, there were one or two times when the ref stood him up. Uh, you know, if the ref wouldn't have stood him up, you know, people are saying well, they were quick stand-ups. If the ref wouldn't have stood him up, I think he would have found a way back up. I mean... Remember when he tapped Mads out, though? Yeah, you know, you saw you saw that choke he pulled off uh, against Mads Brunel. That, that's, th- this guy, if you think he's just a boxer or this or that, I mean, this guy is very well-rounded, and he can finish fights anywhere. So, And he can also go out there and dominate for three rounds. But with Nick Lentz, obviously, you just got to be wary of the vet tricks, man. The kid's been adding a nice left high kick to his game. Uh, he can knock guys out. He can grind out decisions. I mean, he's a guy that can be in the most exciting fight you've ever seen, like his fight versus Evan Dunham. And his fucking trilogy against Charles Oliveira. Or a guy that can be in the most boring fight you've ever seen, like his fight against Andre Winter, where Joe Silva almost threatened to cut him after that fight. So Nick Lentz can... And and I don't mean that disrespectfully. I I just mean it more like, hey, he can change the game plan up, and if he needs to clinch you up against the fence for 15 minutes, he can do that. If he needs to strike his uh, guillotine... You know, Nick Lentz uh, used to take fights at 185. <laughs> the guy, the guy's a fucking <laughs> badass. I'm actually curious about him dropping down to 45 because I know his body was kind of hurting, but this time he's doing it with different people. He's doing it with the Performance Institute, so we'll see if they get him down nicely. But regardless, I, I think Arnold Allen, you know, he's got he's got that youthful energy. He's got that young spunk about him. The kid's a stud, man. I'm very excited for his future. I'm not going to pick against him until he fights guys like Sodiq Yusuf or something like that. So I, I got him against Nick Lentz. I'm going to go with Arnie Allen here now next up in the middleweight division we got a matchup between bevon lewis he's six and two and daquan townsend is 21 and nine 
Currently, they got Bevon Lewis, minus 440, and the comeback on Daquan Townsend is plus 350. Well, Shaq, we we know these guys very well. I mean, obviously, uh, unsuccessful cashing uh, Bevon Lewis in his first two fights. But with Dequan Townsend, we were able to go out there with Dolce and cash against him. So it's one of those things where can Bevon Lewis get back to being considered that prospect that people were saying uh, could be this, uh, you know, he's John Jones' protege, this and that. You know, he had the great contender series fight, uh, fights, actually, but the second one was way more impressive. Looking good against Uriah Hall until that knockout. And then the next fight was completely gun-shy. So... Can he recover his confidence, come out here and beat a guy like Daquan Townsend? And I mean, I feel like another thing, I'm like they thought he was John Jones and then they matched him up with Hall and Darren Stewart. Like, <laughs> like damn, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like even John Jones got to fight Andre Guzman and Stefan <laughs> like, Bonner his like first shit. two fights. <laughs> I think they overrushed Bay Vaughn to a point. Uh, I mean, he had the physique, the look. He was at that camp. Uh, and it, it didn't work out. Darren Stewart, I mean, Darren Stewart's been doing his thing. Upset Deron Wynn. He's got a fight with Marvin Vittori. So, you know, uh, I think Daquan Townsend is absolutely nowhere near that level. Uh, Daquan Townsend, you know, he's a vet. Uh, not to mention, I heard, I heard he uh, tested positive for some uh, fentanyl, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, some fentanyl and cocaine <laughs> metabolites. Some cocaine metabolites. You know, uh, hey, to each his own, but... I think that, <laughs> but uh, I think that Daquan Townsend is. I mean, his takedown defense is terrible. Uh, his cardio is terrible. The only good thing he has about him is that he's got some power in his hands. I mean, that's about it. And Bayvon's very chinny, especially his confidence is low. So, I mean, there's no. I mean, he's definitely got a puncher's chance, but I think that's all it is. I think Bayvon is so much better than him in all the other aspects of the game: the wrestling, the clinch, uh, the cardio. I th- think that Bayvon, this is where he can finally like have that performance, kind of like a Sung Woo Choi versus Suman. You know, uh, like the kids down in the dumps right now but we'll get you the the, the worst guy we have on the roster <laughs> a guy that just tested positive for you know all this shit and uh i think bayvon should get the win here 30 27 i mean look the kid definitely has his chinny i'm gonna tell you that right now we've known this guy for a while you know uh one of our friends told him told us they saw him get knocked out in amateurs i mean knocked out cold so he's been knocked out stiff and, before uh, he, he proceeded <laughs> to show us that video too <laughs> this is a true story <laughs> Didn't you uh, say that y'all were, somebody was talking about knockouts around him? <laughs> oh, my God. Right. Since I have to tell this story. So, Bayvon Lewis was at the gym and stuff and, you know, at one of the fighter gyms. And in the locker room, basically what was going on was one, one of the guys in there was teammates with Brunson. And Brunson, I think, was coming off a knockout loss. And in front of... Yeah, it's Izzy, and he was about to fight maybe Elias or something like that. But anyways, uh, in front of Bayvon Lewis, who was coming off a devastating knockout loss, the guy's like, man, uh, Derek Brunson can't afford to get knocked out again. <laughs> and, like, you just saw Bayvon's face. Like, man, I shouldn't even be sharing this story, but, like, for the fans, I love you guys. But, yeah, man, so I'm just qu- – the reason I bring that up is because I question uh, where his confidence is at straight up because the way he was performing against Uriah Hall just – careless but careless in a way of you know so much confidence uh you know Uriah Hall is a very devastating striker a guy that knocked out Musasi knocked out Jocko knocked out Bevon you know knocked out all these guys and you know Bevon 
he, he didn't have a care in the world out there. He thought he was invincible. And then once that knockout happened, completely different approach against Darren Stewart. And it, it wasn't a good, it wasn't a pretty sight. And that's, you know, all respect to Darren Stewart. He, he's definitely been proving himself lately. And he's a guy that we got to keep our eye out for. I mean, he's been getting big wins here. You know, he turned he a made, corner. He made Shabazian quit. <laughs> he, 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 he turned a corner. But, uh... Yeah, Bave, and as far as da- Daquan, like you said, the da- the guy's takedown defense is very, very, very bad. Does hit kind of hard. Is a tall, big guy. Made it to the UFC. Got to give him props. Uh, and he's paid. He's fucking paid his dues on that regional scene. That man grinded his fucking way, and by the skin of his teeth, got to the UFC, man. And you know, I respect his story. You know, he made a promise to to his late child that he was gonna make it to the UFC, and he kept that promise, man. So I, I respect that guy. But as far as this matchup is concerned, Bavon, if he looks anything like the contender series guy or the person that fought Hall prior to getting knocked stiff, he should win. But if we see the tentative guy we saw against Darren Stewart, I don't know, man. I don't know. Like, but I, I'm gonna go with Bayvon. I think he's a favorite here for a reason. But this much of a favorite, proceed with caution. We gotta take a look at Bayvon's little bro. Oh yeah, yeah. let's tell him about Lavon yeah, Lewis though. Lavon's, Lavon's now Lavon, on the <laughs> other hand, watch out for this kid. He is serious. Uh and but he, he's uh in a I think a bantamweight or a featherweight. But uh, a bantamweight, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lavon Lewis. The little bro. He he's the he's the talent in the family, even though Bayvon's already in the UFC and Bayvon's very skilled. But yeah, look out for Lavon Lewis. But look, I'm gonna go with Bayvon Lewis here to defeat Daquan Townsend. Now next up in the light heavyweight division, we got a matchup between Jamal Hill, who's six and zero, and Darko, Lord of Darkness Stosic is thirteen and three. Currently, they got Jamal Hill minus one twenty five, and the comeback on Darko Stosic is plus one hundred five. Well, Shaq, uh, Jamal Hill is. Does have a, a karate background, so you know he likes to move around a lot. Darko Stosic, not the fastest guy. You think Darko Stosic is going to tell him, come, come, uh, in the middle of this fight? Yeah, it's a very, this is one of my uh, favorite matchups on the card because Jamal Hill's got a lot of hype. Beat Daquan Townsend on the local scene. Uh, I think he was 3-0 and or maybe 4-0 and at the time. Uh, beat Daquan Townsend, then had the contender series fight, knocked the... Pop it out in a great performance. So Jamal Hill, only six fights, but the kid's got a lot of talent. Uh, Darko Stasek definitely has him in experience, a former heavyweight. Uh, his last fight was a little weird because, you know, he won that first round against Kennedy, who was 6'5", 80-something inch reach, and he did a good job using the, I mean, some hard inside low kicks. And and uh, I, and it's just clear that Darko's on a different, uh, you know, he's fought a, a higher level competition considerably. I mean, even though Devin Clark has had his uh, embarrassing moments, I mean, this the the skill, the wrestling level. I mean, Darko can take. He took. He slammed Devin Clark. He took down Kennedy multiple times. So, Dark, even though he's off two losses, uh, I don't want to. I see. I still. I see some little improvement. I mean, one could say he won two rounds against Kennedy. I mean, he did a good job landing those inside low kicks. It's just a couple of them landed on the on the cup, and he lost two points. But. You know, it's unfortunate, but Darko, he's looking to address some holes in his game. I mean, our word on the street is he uh, he packed up from Serbia and went to Colorado. He's with Elevation Fight Team now. He's with, the uh, you know, Gaethje, Dober, and Blades and all those guys. He's trying to work on his cardio. Uh, he needs to up his volume up, but he's a power fighter, man. Everything this guy does is with vicious power, and Jamal Hill's never... He got dropped by Daquan Townsend in that fight, and he just really hasn't fought the competition to really... 
you know, uh, necessarily see. But the from a betting perspective, he opened minus 175. Now he's minus 125. So that means everyone's on, uh, for the most part, everyone's on Darko Stasic. And I, that means that's a, you know, that's more in Jamal Hill's favor. You know, if everyone's counting him out, I think that he can come in here and get a win. He's definitely has the higher ceiling, in my opinion. It's just that Darko Stasic, I don't know if the views of him should necessarily be down right now. You know, I feel like he kind of won two rounds of the Kennedy fight. It was just uh, some low blows. And he's got a similar uh, look here, Southpaw, but uh, this guy's a lot shorter. Uh, I think it's a tough fight for Jamal. I wouldn't be shocked if this was a gritty, grimy fight all the way to the end. I'll take uh, Jamal by split decision. I think it'll be a tough fight, but I wouldn't be shocked if Darko looked the best yet. Just because the the fact that he a guy like him went to Colorado, it, it kind of makes me feel like he uh, might be taking it. I mean, he's lost two in a row. I'm sure he don't want to lose three. He's also uh, fighting another. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, uh, I think he, he's desperate, man. I think he needs a win. So I wouldn't be shocked if he won this, but I'll take Jamal Hill by split decision. I think it's going to be a tough, gritty fight, man. Look, as far as Darko Stosic is concerned, uh, it's like what Conor McGregor would say, uh, I see stiffness, <laughs> you know. I, yeah, he's a muscle. I, I, I just really think that the athletic tools that Jamal Hill brings to the table are going to be too much here. Obviously, the experience you mentioned counts for a lot in Darko Stosic's favor. He's seen a higher level, more pro fights, this and that, but the ceiling is so much higher for a guy like Jamal Hill. In my opinion, at least, I could be totally wrong. Much taller guy has the reach advantage here and just the output is is it's night and day man you know Darko Stosic will do nothing for two minutes and then he'll swing big bombs at you that are frankly kind of slow and, and an athlete like Jamal Hill I, I I think he's gonna be ducking and dodging man and I think he's gonna make him I think he's gonna make him miss I think he's gonna make him pay and if all he's got to look out for is an inside leg kick and a couple overhands, I, I think he's in good shape here, man. He, this kid's been striking his whole life, and uh, he's got to be making improvements every single fight because he's so young in his career. So while I respect the fact that Stosic addressed some issues, trying to address that cardio by training in elevation, I mean, how much can he really change his style at 28 years old? Like, I get that he can make some improvements, and maybe he comes out here and gives this kid a vet lesson, but... I'm going to go with my gut on this one and take Jamal Hill here. Now, next up in the strawweight division, we got a matchup between Hannah Cyphers, who's 10-3, and, and Angela Hill, who's 10-7. and seven. Currently, they got Angela Hill minus 185, and Hannah Cyphers is plus 160. Well, the question I got to know is, do you trust Angela Hill at chalk against, uh, against the hometown uh, Hannah Cyphers here? Hill's from North Carolina, too. Oh really? Yeah. Um, so well, she she's a fake North Carolina. She, she lives in California. <laughs> yeah, she lives in Cali, but she's from North Carolina. You know, my girl Hannah Cyphers never left where she came from. Yeah, you know she's. Uh, I mean, look, it's a good fight. Hannah Cyphers is on a two fight win streak. Uh, Angela Hill had a good fight with Yan Zhaonan, a good three round fight. Uh, Yan Zhaonan, you know, edged it out the last two rounds, but then she bounced back with the win against uh Cerizo. That was a good performance. Got the cut stoppage. I mean, look, she stayed really disciplined in that fight. I'm not going to say that she, you know, made some some great improvements or anything, but look, I feel like if she's fighting, you know, non, you know, top 15 girls, you know, not named Random Marcos or, you know, Courtney Casey, uh, you know, all those girls that she lost to are ranked Gans out and is going to be ranked here soon. Uh uh, who else did she lose to? Jessica Andrade, uh, you know. Um, 
Nina Androv. You know, I feel like she just fought the top competition. But uh, if she's going to take this step down, I feel like she's a... Uh, now we got Cyphers on... Cyphers, look, Cyphers is a tough chick. She's only she's 5'1". But the the reason the hesi- uh, why I'm a little hesitant on Cyphers here, I see she's a popular dog, is because we just saw Angela Hill go up against another 5'1 girl her last fight, you know? And uh, we saw that the knees were a big factor. Now, Cyphers does have some better, you know, side-to-side movement with her head, but... Cypher's kind of in her Jody fight, well, I don't know, she was kind of coming up short a little bit on her punches, the Pollyanna-Viana fight, look, Pollyanna, Pollyanna-Viana's, you know, she's nice and all, but she's nowhere near the level of Angela Hill, and that's, that's saying a lot, like, Pollyanna-Viana's a complete joke, Uh, and I think Hannah Cypher's has a good story behind her, you know, everyone loves that, you know, she's quiet, and, you know, uh, you know, that she's a very soft-spoken, and she does have some knockouts on her record, but uh, I think she's the, I feel like she's rightfully the underdog. I feel like Hills, even with all the losses, is is way more proven in the UFC. I mean, even though she lost to Courtney Casey, you know, it was a good fight as where, you know, all, all the Hannah Cyphers is beating is, you know, two girls that probably won't be in the UFC in a few months, so... I'm going to go with Angela Hill. I think she's more technical. I think that Cyphers is going to struggle with the range. Even though Hill's only 5'3", her body's just built a lot longer, and she uses uh, range and feints. And I think that she's a lot more experienced than Hannah. I feel like Hannah could possibly, you know, uh, pull off the upset. I mean, she's getting better. She's young. She's a she's a farmer. You know you know how I feel about farmers, man. Farmers are uh, they're strong. They're strong people, and they're usually good fighters. So Hannah, Hannah's got some power, but I think Hill's gonna be too technical and just be too savvy, uh, and, and just not put on a, a vet lesson, but just just slightly win the rounds. You know, just I'll take Angela Hill. I understand why Hill's the favorite, and I understand everyone's points, but sometimes Hill just doesn't fight to her potential, and th- there's a reason that she's a 500 fighter, basically. You know, she actually has a losing record in the UFC, but. A 500 fighter almost overall. And with Hannah Cyphers, I gotta say, she she's impressed me, man. You know, just in the sense that, you know, she was kind of a sacrificial lamb to, to Macy Barber, who really embarrassed herself last weekend, by the way. And I don't know if you saw her dad's post. Uh, for everyone that did, y'all know what I'm talking about. But, uh, man, um, Hannah Cyphers bounced back two wins in a row. And now she's got the quote-unquote step up against Angela Hill. Look, I just don't trust someone like Angela Hill at chalk. Uh, I, I respect her skills. It, she, I got to give her credit. She actually almost choked out my girl, Yan Zona, with a triangle choke. So, hey, much respect. These fights often tend to be close. This is in Hannah Cypher's hometown. The crowd's going to be behind her. And Hannah Cypher is known for going out there. And actually, she's knocked girls out in her regional fights. Even uh, back in the NFC, she fought uh, over here on our regional scene and actually beat uh, someone uh, that I don't like. So I, I got to give her respect for yeah, that. She's, she was knocking girls out in the NFC. Yeah, so uh, I got respect for my girl, Hannah Cyphers. I'm going to pick her here to win a, a split decision, maybe a controversial one. Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Jordan Espinosa, who's 14-6, and six, and Alex Perez is 22-5. and five. Currently, they got Alex Perez minus 265, and Jordan Espinosa is plus 225. Well, Shaq, uh, a lot of respect uh, coming Alex Perez's way, and for good reason. The kid's a bully out there, tap guys out, but he's going up against the very spa- the very fast and explosive Jordan Espinosa. Who you got? Yeah, this is a good fight. Uh, Perez, like you said, is a bully. He just moves forward. He, he shells up. He 
one of the best parts of his game is how well he cuts off the cage, man. The guy cuts off the cage very well. And Espinosa runs around the cage very well. So I'm very excited for this matchup. You know, Perez is a big favorite. And, you know, he's ex- both both of these guys have been fighting a long time. Uh, Espinosa got finished in the first round his last fight. So there uh, could possibly be some recency bias in there a little bit. But uh, look, Espinosa, man, he's got a lot of potential. He's been fighting 10 years. He's very fast, one of the faster flyweights that you're going to see. And his performance against Eric Shelton, I thought it was a very underrated performance because I felt like he actually did keep up his movement throughout the three rounds. He actually didn't look the best he ever had, in my opinion. Um, You know, the contender series performance, one of them was a quick first-round finish, but the other one against the Hawaiian, you know, he kind of got into some bad... uh, left hook exchanges or he'd uh anytime they would get in close he'd kind of fight with his hands down and get caught with punches but hey man he's got a good chin uh he eats the shots for the most part and I think he's got a better chin than Perez it's just that I feel like Perez is probably better than him in in the little details especially in close range but Perez is gonna have to be careful man because Jordan's a little hard to track on the out uh hard to track on the outside the kid's movement when he is on is on point and if he can put things together man I mean he might come out here and knock uh Alex Perez out we've seen Alex Perez wobbled against Shorty Torres we saw him wobbled against uh Benavides um so there is a chance Espinosa could could clip him with something it's just that Espinosa at times looks really good but then at times he kind of does some spazzy stuff kind of like a some like Devin Clark stuff and a little bit like he'll you know back away with his eyes closed or he'll shoot a bad shot and you know like we saw against Matt Shell shoot an unnecessary single after you just clipped him with the right hand and then you know get set up into a triangle so I think that uh Perez is even though Espinosa is a state champion wrestler I kind of think Perez is still the better wrestler you know uh California Perez actually, um, if I'm not mistaken, the high school team that Cormier, that Cormier uh, coaches, I think Perez is like the rival, uh, co- uh, is like the coach for their rival. So Perez is a, uh, I mean he's Carlos Esparza's wrestling coach. I feel like he's got better wrestling technique, uh, 100%. It's just a matter of him getting caught, uh, not getting caught, and he's been wobbled in two fights. So I think that uh, Jordan Espinosa is definitely the rifle underdog. I don't know about this wide. I'd probably say about like plus 150, plus 160. I'm going to still pick Perez by decision, but I think it's going to be a good fight. I wouldn't be shocked if Espinosa caught him with some flash style and caught him, but I think that Perez cuts off the cage really well and that, you know, as long as he picks his shots, I feel like anytime they get in close distance, he should capitalize. I mean, the kid's a bully. He hits really hard. I mean, that Shorty Torres, the power that he uh, displayed in that. And Shorty Torres, although, didn't have the best UFC run, man. Shorty Torres, at that point, had never lost a fight in his life. <laughs> so hyped up to a point. <laughs> like, he had never lost. And he even when he got cut, he went out there to Brave and beat a uh, Russian, if I'm not mistaken. So I feel like uh, Perez is... I mean, he's silent, man. The Benavidez was... I mean, he just shouldn't have been a, a favorite in that spot. Benavidez was... Everyone wrote him off because he lost to Sergio... Uh, I mean, he was coming off a big layoff, I guess, but uh, Perez just wasn't ready for that level yet. Benavidez finished Formiga twice, so uh, I'm going to pick Perez, but I got a lot of respect for Espinosa. Yeah, man, this is a hell of a fight. Uh, two guys that came off contender series, and they actually had similar results. Uh, so both guys had very impressive finishes on contender series. Obviously, Perez got a Anaconda choke, Jordan Espinosa with the Dars choke, and man, 
both guys very slick. And then Jordan Espinosa, they actually didn't sign him that first night. They made him come back, goes out there, three-round war, and knocks out Riley Dutra with a with a beautiful check hook. Uh, and, man, just the speed that this guy's operating with. You know, I've often compared him to kind of like a flyweight Yoel Romero in a sense. Uh, you know, Yoel Romero doesn't always get every takedown he shoots for, and either does this guy. But, man, the explosiveness and the speed, he can knock you out at any point. And uh, I really do feel, I agree with you, if he ever, you know, truly puts it together, the kid could make a run. It's just about not having those little mental lapses, you know. Don't shoot unnecessary takedowns uh, because a guy like Alex Perez can capitalize. And the way he snatched up that Anaconda on uh, Contender Series, that was nasty and it was so fast. It was uh, There was no way out. Uh, kind of like uh, Nate Landwehr's uh, walkout song, you know what I'm saying? Uh, no easy way out. You know, you get caught in that thing and it's over with. So Jordan Espinosa has got to be careful about taking unnecessary shots. However, I do feel like if he's able to keep this fight standing, stuff the takedowns of Perez, who is a good wrestler in his own right, not just a submission artist. And, you know, sometimes Jordan Espinosa fights with his hands down because he relies on his speed and his movement, his athleticism. Avoid the big bombs of Alex Perez. I do think he's live for the upset here. And when you look at a line like plus 225 on a kid who I think he's got a lot of potential... Maybe he's a live underdog here. Look, I'm not going to be surprised if Alex Perez cuts off that cage and bullies him and, and you know, wins another fight. You know, he, he has been winning most of his fights, but I think Jordan Espinosa might be getting a little disrespected here and there might be a little bit of value on him. So I'm going to take him uh, to win this five year decision. Co-main event in the evening in the welterweight division. We got Rafael Dos Anjos. He's 29-12. and 12. And Michael Chiesa is 15-4. and four. Currently, they got Rafael Dos Anjos minus 260 in the comeback on Michael Chiesa is plus 220. Well, Shaq, if you told me this matchup was uh, going to happen a couple years ago, I'd say RDA would mop the floor with him. But, you know, since that point, both guys have been putting in work still. And uh, Michael Chiesa looks to be a new man at 170. Is that enough to go out there and defeat a former champion and a black belt on the caliber of Rafael Dos Anjos? It's a great matchup. Dos Anjos has been, like I said earlier, been fighting murderers, row. I mean, cream of the crop wrestlers. Khabib, uh, Usman, Covington, Leon. I mean, guys that get a lot of takedowns in their fights. And now he's fighting uh, another one, Kevin Lee. Uh, now he's fighting a guy known for his grappling as well, Kiesa. A little bit uh, of a funkier style. Uh, not the traditional, you know, college wrestler style like the other ones. But uh, Kiesa's been looking good, man. Maybe once... I, th I do see that. I, th I mean, I think he's going to have success in this weight class. This is a big step up. I thought he may maybe could have used one more fight in between before we get to our RDA. But RDA is on the tail end of his career. It's just that, you know... Now, now he's what minus two seventy sixty two sixty. I mean, look if he took a shot on Kiesa. I mean, look he has been dominant at one seventy, right? I mean he is. I mean Diego Sanchez. I know RDA would run through him in the you know easily as well. But Carlos Condit, at least you know a lot of people didn't think he was gonna win that fight, and he went out there and dominated uh, Carlos Condit easily. Maybe his confidence is through the roof. Obviously, RDA is the better fighter. He's got way better stand up. Uh, are you convinced Kiesa's calves can take uh, one of those uh, kicks? Or his body. <laughs> or, or his body. I mean, RDA's got more power. It's just that RDA's on the tail end of his career. And, you know, uh, he's lost, what, 
of his like what three of his last three four. of his last four. Um, but I still think one hundred percent he's the better fighter here, better boxing, better kicks, better jujitsu. I mean, you saw what he did to Kevin Lee, who you know uh, put Michael Chiesa to sleep. I mean, uh, I mean, look, he went he went to bed. I mean, <laughs> me and you both know that. So I think that. As long as RDA doesn't get held against the fence, the I wish this was a five-round fight because then I would for sure know RDA would win. But to sit here and say that Kiesa doesn't have the grappling skill to, to do it, I mean, he did submit Darius. I mean, he has had his moments. He knocked out Vic, beat Ronaldo. I mean, the kid's had his moments, man. He's pulled off... Uh, submitted Jim Miller. <laughs> he submitted Jim Miller. I mean, he's had his moments in there. So I wouldn't be shocked if he did it just because where RDA's at in his career. You know, I know he's always coming to fight, but... You know, sometimes this is where the, the you know, the, the wheels fall off, man. He's had a great run, former champ. Uh, Kies has been looking good, but I still think he'll pull out the win. But I actually think Kiesa might give some people a little sweat. You know, I think Kiesa might pin him up against that fence a little bit early. He's got a long body. He's he's a little Grammy, man. Maybe he's uh maybe he's the most confident he's ever been. He's got a he's had his moments, man. I wouldn't be shocked, but I'll take RDA by uh by decision, you know. I think that Kiesa will come out strong early, but eventually, if they if RDA can create space like he has, even against Usman and Covington and all those guys, that his body kicks and his uh, calf kicks will probably get to Kiesa. Man, this is an interesting fight because obviously the best version of RDA, I think he runs through the best version of Kiesa, but the thing is, you know how many times RDA has been taken down in his last four fights? 28 times and i'm not exaggerating this guy's been taken down 28 times his last four fights now granted these were all college wrestlers he went up against and kiesa is not a college wrestler but kiesa is a long body mountain man just grimy workman because one of these guys i don't know what it is but he's very deceptive uh with his ground and pound and with his squeeze i mean to tap out a guy like benil darius the way he did um you know, and, and that's a guy who's better than him everywhere, too. So it's like one of those things where when you count this guy out, he often tends to surprise you. And this could be a great time to catch a guy like RDA. But I just can't ignore the difference in skill set here. Size could be a big factor here if Giesa wins this fight. But ultimately, I will I, I will go with RDA to, to finish Giesa in knockout or submission. Main event in the evening in the heavyweight division. We got Curtis Razor Blades, he's 12-2, and, and Junior Cigano Dos Santos is 21-6. and six. Currently, they got Curtis Blades, minus 250, and the comeback on Junior Cigano is plus 210. Well, Shaq, I mean, uh, striker versus grappler at the purest here, man. I mean, we know Curtis Blades wants to take him down, ground and pound him, knock him out with vicious elbows, and we know Junior Dos Santos wants to time an uppercut, an overhand behind the ear, put him down... Uh, who you who you got in the main event here in Raleigh, North Carolina? It's a great it's a great fight. Like you said, Curtis is gonna, uh, you know, he's gonna be looking he's gonna be looking to level change, keep it simple with the boxing, keep it the exchanges down to a minimum, and do the cane game plan and stay on this guy and and wait till the wait till he gasses out and starts giving up the takedowns a lot easier. So, but the thing with Curtis is, you know. 
it doesn't seem like his striking is really developing that much, but it really doesn't need to because his grappling is just that strong. So it's like, just kid, let's just get this to the mat and let's uh, grind these guys out. Junior Dos Santos, I don't think he's completely done. I just think that we know what we're getting here is a guy that's going to faint. He's going to look to throw that big overhand, the uppercut. And I just feel like as long as Curtis doesn't get knocked out, he's going to win this fight. He's been wobbled several times. I mean, Mark Hunt almost knocked him out. Uh, Overeem caught him with a knee, but, you know, he was able to get the takedowns there. He has uh, Francis Ngannou, uh, you know, finished him twice. So, I mean, he's definitely, I mean, it's heavyweight. There's definitely that chance. But Junior Dos Santos is one of these guys where I feel like now, after that Francis Ngannou uh, KO, I mean, he had he had a, a solid run, but I feel like this is a prime spot for Curtis to get a, a solid uh, name on his resume and prove that he's the best heavyweight that's not named Francis or uh, Stipe. Curtis Blades' his grappling is just that dominant. I don't want to compare him to Khabib, but I think that when he gets a hold of these guys, do you ever see them get back up? I mean, <laughs> the round's over when he and gets on top. And if they do, it's a mat yeah. return. <laughs> it's like, bro, he's so strong. Yeah, he can do the mat return all night long. And JDS, is we, we know what happened when he fought Kane, but obviously he's got that puncher's chance, but that's all I think it is. I think that as long as Curtis Blades does not get caught with an uppercut or a shot behind the ear, I think he's going to win a decision here or get a late uh, TKO stoppage. So I'm going to take Curtis Blaze by third-round TKO, uh, ground and pound. And, you know, I think I uh, wonder who will fight then because he can't fight Francis again. <laughs> Maybe DC or Stipe. You know, DC ain't taking that DC fight. Ain't not because not he can't beat him, just because, who the, you know. <laughs> just because uh, he'd be like, yeah, who? Who? Fuck is Chris? who? <laughs> nah, but... Uh, Look, as far as his matchup is concerned, I think Shaq broke it down pretty fairly and accurately, man. I mean, you, you know, you, you don't expect a Junior Cigano to go out here shooting for takedowns, right? So, Junior's got to land, got to time remember that. When, remember when Junior tried to kick with Overeem? Man, oh my God, that was that was a stunt <laughs> and a half. But one thing I want to say is that back in Junior's prime, back when he was the man, when he was on that streak, like I mentioned, that UFC debut against Fabrizio Wardoom, all the way to that first title defense against Mir. In between then, he had a fight against Shane Carwin, who, man, that guy, that guy was serious at the time. That guy would touch people. They'd go down, also a, a former D2 wrestler. And uh, you remember when Brock was like, international he's, a, he's a D2 wrestler. I'm a D1 wrestler. <laughs> but uh, no, nah, but uh, there was this one moment where where Shane Carwin took him down and the way he popped back up and the way he stuffed against Kane in the second fight for the first round. You know, and the guy, the guy has had some great takedown defense moments, but as he's been worn down with all these fucking wars, and you know, it, it's like you know, he, he likes to compete, but it, he doesn't have that same hunger he once had. He's not willing to go through life and death anymore. If he gets into that bad spot, you know, let's just take home our six figure paycheck and move on to the next one. And I respect that. He's he's at that point in his career where he's allowed to. I mean, you're allowed to do that at any point, but I'm saying he's at that point where it's not, like, dishonorable, in my opinion, or anything like that. Like, dude, you are a former heavyweight champ. You've done everything there is to do in the sport. Go ahead and cash out. And with Curtis, look, this is your chance to come out here and get your first win over a former UFC champion. And and I think he's going to do it, man. Just don't go down and you win this fight, and most likely via ground and pound TKO. So I'm going to go with Curtis Blades here. Now, Shaq, before we uh, answer these fan questions... Just got to let them know to go to bestfightpicks.com and use that promo code 2020 to save 20% off our bets. This weekend, it's going down UFC Rally, North Carolina. Go to bestfightpicks.com and hit us up today. Well, Shaq, uh, let's answer these fan questions, man, because 
My boy Jimmy the Drunk says, just curious, does there happen to be any fighters from the UFC rally card that have abnormally large body parts? I, I, I know what you're trying to say here, man. Uh, Montel Jackson has bigger hands than Francis Ngannou. <laughs> yeah, this has been established, my man. Clint Griffin wants to know, where does Barber rank on all-time stunt pulled? Um, well, she legitimately tore her ACL, so, I mean... So, so that wasn't a stunt in your ass? Because um, we've seen fighters go out there and win with injuries before. When GSP pulled his groin against uh, Tiago Alves, he still dominated him. I mean, why are we comparing it to GS- GSP? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, fi- fighter, fighters have won with injuries before. Yeah, GSP. Uh, where does it rank stunt level? I mean, you know, top 20. Voice of reality, uh, and my bad, Clint. Um yeah, you know, uh, it's definitely the stunt of the year so far because there's been one card. But on, on the flip side, upset of the year for Roxanne, definitely. My boy Voice of Reality says, See the talk about Connor fighting Gaethje next. Why don't they want to give him a winnable fight before the Khabib rematch loss? Um, let's uh, let's see if that fight gets booked first. You know what I mean? And What was the question? He says, why don't they want to give him a winnable fight before a Khabib rematch loss if if he's fighting Gaethje next? Because, I mean, Dana wants his pockets to be fatter, man. That's why. Is he fighting Gaethje next, personally? <laughs> I mean, uh, I know Kavanaugh wants that, but it's probably not going to happen. I know that Dana said he's flying uh, Gaethje out to meet with him uh, in the next couple of weeks. So I think that Connor is probably going to try to get this. I mean, look, that. That Khabib payday is ridiculous. They're both going to, yeah. I mean, Dana wants that. I'm sure everyone, uh, when they show them the numbers of it, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, I want that one. <laughs> the numbers are uh, quite attractive for the Khabib rematch. Jack Scott said, where the fuck is the 246 recap? I appreciate you, brother. We're, we're going to start pumping those out soon. We got we got some other things that we're prioritizing with so we can give you more recaps and more content. So I appreciate you, bro. Noblar says, Bellator 238, what funky submission will Curtis Melender pull from his BJJ arsenal on his Bellator debut? I heard I heard Curtis has been doing uh, jiu-jitsu tournaments. I heard he's been getting tapped out. Of I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, but at least he's uh, making improvements. He's probably going to knock this guy out. I mean, uh, what I think it's Moses Moretta, if, yeah, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Um, so... Yeah, Curtis, I'm, I'm I'm glad to see him uh, back in Bellator where he actually started at. Uh, good thing he's not fighting Elizu or Bilal Muhammad anymore. I mean, imagine if he would have stayed in the UFC, he would have got tapped out again. You know that, right? I do know that. So, I'm going to say a flying go-go plot on my man. Stuart Tuckwell says, have you guys ever had any fighters messaging you pissed because they have found out you guys have picked against them? Nah, man. I mean, I I think that the fighters understand that this is entertainment and we're out here having fun and that we respect them all. We know they all whoop our ass and you know this is just, this this is just fun for the fans. You know what I'm saying? We genuinely respect any 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 person that gets that cage locked behind them, win or lose. So, yeah, no, I I think the fighters that that know me know how much respect I truly have for them. So, haven't had any problems yet. My boy, Cap Kobe, wants to know, after seeing the Irishman do what he did to you, excuse me, did what he did, do you still want to see a rematch with Habib 
Personally, I don't keep up the great show. You guys are pros. Thank you, bro. What do you, um, what do you think, Shaq? You want to see that rematch? Um, not now. Like, honestly, I mean, if, uh, you know, I like the Gaethje fight. I like a, a lot of things. The Diaz Masvidal. trilogy, Masvidal. I mean, you know, I like a lot of things. I don't think it has to be done right now, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah. If it was up to me, I'd I'd like the Gaethje fight. You know, let's see if Gaethje really is uh the. This is a big step up in competition from. I mean, if that fight were to go down, it'd be a big step up from uh Vic and and uh you know Edson and Cowboy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you saw what McGregor did to him. So I'm interested. McGregor looked good, man. I'm interested to see him with these guys like T. Ferg and Gaethje and Dustin uh, rematch and you know things like that. So I want I want to see uh I want to see that fight if it was up to me. Yeah, I mean, look, the build-up, there's no doubt about it, would be incredible for Habib and uh, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's going to be just yeah. pure entertainment. So, But, yeah, there's other matches. The Masvidal one is a lot of fun, even though Masvidal shouldn't have worn that robe at the, the fights. You blew it, kid. But I was like, what? <laughs> what are you doing? Like, what are you doing, bro? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so do I think the the fight ends differently? I'd still pick, uh, I, I would pick Habib to win this time, so, you know. We'll see what we'll see how we'll see how this thing plays out. My boy GMO says, "Is it just me or does Bellator have the best main card of the weekend?" I think it's just you, brother. Cause uh, what, what, let, let me pull up that main card real quick. You're telling me a, a fight card with Ava Knight versus Emily Geddes on the main card, one and over three and three is better than the UFC card, brother. <laughs> I love you though, man. Thank you for thank you for giving us that question. But nah, man, I gotta go. With the UFC card this weekend. I mean, I'll watch both on two different screens, but looking more forward to the UFC one. Garrett Irwin wants to know, now that Yoel versus Israel is official, do you think fighters should get a title fight, a title shot coming off a loss? I mean, it, it just depends on the circumstance. This is nothing new. It's not like this is the first time that's happened. It just depends on certain things. Like, for example, Israel Adesanya said he doesn't feel like his legacy is going to be complete unless he beats a guy like Yoel Romero. So why would you deny him that opportunity? I understand that Paulo Costa deserves the next shot, but Paulo Costa is coming off, what, a torn bicep or some shit like that? Like He's got an injury to deal with. So in the meantime, let Israel stay active and let him fight Yoel. Yeah, you know, I, I have no problem with it. It's for the numbers, man. The other contenders just don't have a, the name value yet to, to uh, be in that pay-per-view spot with a guy like uh, Israel Adesanya, you know, uh, Who's he gonna fight? Uh, Cannoneer? Uh, a rematch with, uh, with uh, Rob Whitaker? We already know how that's gonna go. So, I feel like yeah, Yoel had a great fight with Paulo Costa. You know, some people even thought that he won that fight, even though I don't know how. But some people thought he won. We know Yoel's gonna bring it no matter what. And like you said, it's a good name to have on your resume. Kind of similar to. Uh, what Henry's trying to do with Jose Aldo. I mean, look, Corey Sanhagen and Peter Yan, they don't have that that name yet. They're, and Al Jermaine and all those guys. So in the meantime, while you guys figure out, you three uh, or you two, you know, figure out who's going to emerge amongst you guys, I'll fight the legend who's a proven uh, seller like Jose or uh, who were you just talking about again? Israel and, and, and Yeah, or Yoel. And, you know, we'll uh, go that route. But Israel just needs a fight, man. He's looking for a knock. You can't fault him. Yoel's a mm. tough-ass yeah. fight, man. Yoel ain't easy. No, I don't see too many guys calling that guy out. Yeah. Matthew Drucker says, when does Half the Battle come out? I'm dying. I appreciate you, brother. It's coming out soon. Thank you so much. 
Ian Dowson says, when are you boys coming to Australia to attend a show down here? Tax deductible trip. Man, I'd love to come down to Australia. Uh, I'd have to be heavily medicated for that 22-hour flight. But, man, um, firstly, shout-out to everyone in Australia for what y'all are going through right now. You know, I don't know what I could do to help that situation, but if there's anything, feel free to message me. But, yeah, I, you know, I feel for the people, the animals, and everything going down there. So we definitely uh, we definitely got you guys in our in our hearts. And also just the fighting spirit of the Aussies. And, and the Kiwis, too. I mean, the Mossies are emerging, man. Travis says, quick picks versus Borix versus Caldwell. Um, man, that's a good fight. I mean, I'm going to say Borix third round flying knee. Man, it's an interesting one. Uh, at first, I thought Caldwell should be favored, but then it's like, this is actually a five-round fight, so that leaves more opportunities for Borix to land that flying knee or, or even catch the guy in a guillotine. He's, he's been dove in head first many times, and now he... One thing about this fight is Caldwell's finally not going to be the bigger guy. So, interesting fight. Because um, we've also seen Borix get wrestled for large amounts of periods of times, but then he's come back with that flying knee. So, I don't know. Let, let's see if he gets another flying knee. It's going to be interesting. MMA Brain says, How many times does a healthy Macy Barber beat Roxy if they fought 10 times? Uh, what do you think, Shaq? Um, I don't know. That's a tough question. They will never fight 10 times, though, so it's like you shouldn't even, <laughs> you know, they're only going to fight once. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to disrespect Roxanne, man. Props to her on having such a great performance. Uh, Rampage said, do you see Mads Burnell coming back to the UFC? And if so, I just talked about that, actually. Wow. And if so, what's his upside? He was taking it to Arnold before the finish. What do you think, Shaq? Um, after watching that fight, I mean, I think he could be in there. It's just that he's not really much of a striker. He's kind of more of a pure grappler. So, you know, uh, I mean, I feel like, yeah, he can come back and, what you know, put him on a Euro card against somebody. But he's not ever going to touch the rankings. But... I do think he could win a fight in the UFC, of course. I think there's a, a few guys he could beat, yeah. I mean, with some of the shit we got in there. I mean, they had Humberto Bandanai and, and Austin Arnett in the UFC not too long ago. Uh, so. Yeah. yeah, I mean, look, it's one of those things where... It's just his style. He's it, a grappler. In my opinion, people's outrage of him getting cut was a little exaggerated. I mean, if you put it into perspective, the guy went one and two, and both fights he got finished in the third round. So it's just... One of those things where, and then the the one fight he won, uh, exactly, and the one fight he won, he laid on the guy for three rounds, so it's just, uh, he, he's not the most exciting fighter, you know, they, they'd rather have guys like Sodik Youssef and Arnold Allen, well, even yeah. if people consider him a prospect, it, it don't yeah. matter, like, if he loses, it's done, whereas those guys lose, hey, we, yeah. we, like, how you, we like how you fight, like, that's why yeah, you won't yeah. get cut. Alright, Oracle MMA says, is Curtis Blades going to split JDS head open like a watermelon or like a can of tomatoes? I'm thinking more like a can of tomatoes, personally. Uh, what, what do you think, man? Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's a good chance that JDS is busted up, man. 100%. Curtis, uh, you saw Abdurahimov's nose explode his last fight, so. And what uh, about Overeem? And Overeem, I mean, those guys got fucked up. Look, so. this guy's got vicious ground, ground <laughs> If this guy gets on top, you, I, don't even, I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. Once so. JDS is <laughs> a little tired from stuffing all those takedowns, he's on his back, I think. There is a there is a high chance for some devastating ground upon. My boy Elir wants to know ATL training question. How much of Douglas improvement Douglas's improvement do you think we are going to see in Diego as well as 
they both, as they are both in the same training environment, do we see the best Diego in his upcoming fight? They actually got a good uh, train. They got Anthony Rocco Martin on the team now. Rocco Martin's in town. Oh but boy, uh, I had to leave Florida. You know <laughs> so that's a different story for a different yeah, time. He had to flee from Florida, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, Douglas is a legend down here, and Diego's on a three fight win streak. It's unfortunate. I heard he pulled out his fight with Murano, but uh, we'll talk to them on Saturday at the NFC fight and see yeah. exactly what happened. But I'm sure Diego. Yeah, I'm sure he'll be yeah, back. He'll, soon. he'll be back soon. And his confidence is doing is doing really well now. Now that he. Uh, you know, I feel like now that he, he had time to relax and not always have to live up to Douglas. And Douglas, I mean, that guy is a legend, man. He, He's a, Douglas is yeah. amazing. Douglas is one of the best welterweights in the world. But, uh... Yeah, for sure, um, he's been taking influence from his brother's style. You've been seeing the leg kick. You've been seeing the leg <clears> kicks <throat> more. You've been seeing that left hook. So, absolutely. Zach says, who is a current non-UFC fighter that you see having success in the UFC this year? So, there's a couple guys. I like that kid, Tofik, that's uh, over in Ryzen. He beat Patricky Pipple. And then, obviously, the guys that that I represent, Jared Nitrane Gooden, Robert Hale, Nathan Williams, and... You gotta look out for my amateur prospect, Jamar the Rockstar Whitehead. I'm letting you guys know. I've had him on the show back when he was like 16. Now he's now he's now he's almost 21. The kid is a total phenom, and uh, he's gonna be a star. Uh, what about uh, that guy that just knocked out CB Dalloway? I think his name's like Jerry. Uh, he just got signed. To the yeah, UFC. he got signed to the UFC. So that guy. Um, there's this kid in LFA. His name's Brandon Royval. He's like a flyweight. He's got some losses, but uh, I think he should be in the UFC coming up here soon. Uh, he's the LFA champ. He was actually supposed to fight Scoggins' bro, uh, Scoggins' little bro, but Scoggins' little bro pulled out. But uh, that kid's super exciting. He, he fought he fought Casey Kinney, fought a bunch of UFC guys, but he's just super exciting. He'll be a, a fan favorite in the UFC. Um, yeah, yeah, that's about it. And there's this kid... Uh... Oh, you said this year. Okay, so not this year, but there's this kid, LaJuan Davis, who in a couple of years is going to be someone to look out for. So MMA Sanders says, would you think there is value on JDS by KO or is he a straight-up fade? And he says, also, I see Dos Anjos being better everywhere, so I don't get everyone saying Kiesa is a surefire bet. Underdog play of the card. So, yeah, I mean, Kiesa, surefire bet. You know, let's, let's relax. You know, Dos Anjos is better everywhere, but... You know, if you want to take maybe a one-unit shot because you have a theory about certain things with his takedown defense. He was taken down 28 times his last four fights. But, yeah, I mean, I do think RDA is better everywhere. Can't wait to see how that one plays out. As far as value on JDS by KO, look, it's his only, it's his only path to victory. He ain't going to come out here and submit Curtis Blades. He ain't going to come out here and grind out Curtis Blades. So, yeah, he's got to win by KO. So, but, yeah, if, if you want to, it could be a situation where you throw away a unit doing that or, or you look fucking smart. So, See, it's up to you, brother. Ali J wants to know, how many pounds does Kiesa cut to make the 170 limit, and how many more pounds advantage would he have over RDA? Let me guess. Uh... I heard he cuts, uh, like, from 190 or 200, so, you know what I'm saying, 20, 30 pounds, and who will be more successful in the clinch? That's a great question. Um, RDA does have some nice knees in that clinch, but Kiesa is such a, a, a longer a longer man. So I feel like if Kiesa takes his back, it's going to be super interesting. But while they're standing against the fence, um, it, in the early going, it's going to be back and forth. It's just about who gets worn down as the fight progresses. 
Yeah, Kiesa can be grimy in that clinch at times. Uh, I mean, he's had good moments. I'm Darius in that clinch. He kind of bullied Darius in that clinch a little bit. And Dos Anjos kind of, at times, can have bad positioning in the clinch. I mean, all those dudes pushed him against the fence, Covington, uh, Usman. But those guys are college wrestlers, uh, good grapplers. So is Kiesa, man. It's a matter of, uh, it's really a matter of, is RDA truly on the, can he still win a couple, uh, can he, is he a surefire top 10 guy, top 6, 7, 8 guy? Or is he really trending down uh, towards, you know, out of the rankings? I mean, look. Sometimes, look at Anthony Pettis, man. The guy's out here, you know, getting, uh, you know, I mean, I got a lot of respect for Anthony, but, you know, uh, sometimes, man, these kids just have caught up to you, and Kiesa might be feeling the best he ever has, so we'll see. So, time for our YouTube questions. Big Chief 24, which top prospects do you see making to the UFC in 2020? Kind of answered it, but again, Robert Hale, Jared Gooden, uh, that kid, um, Tofik in Ryzen. Man. You know, another guy I want them to sign, but I'm not sure if they will, is that Manel Cape guy. Oh, Manel Cape. Oh, I fucking love that kid. Manel <laughs> Cape. That would be him? sick. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like that kid, Patrick Mix, too. Uh, he's exciting. I heard they passed on him, you know, because I don't know why, but, uh, but but the kid's exciting. I like him, too. Um, Rex Lee, any thoughts on the Bellator card? Borgs versus Caldwell, Corrales for Archuleta. Uh, not really, man. I mean, um, Corrales and Archuleta. I think Archuleta had... Uh, kind of a almost embarrassing performance against Pitbull, but that is Pitbull. Here with Corrales, it's a more winnable fight if he can mix in his takedowns. Um, Corrales is always a tough out, though. You can't count that guy out, so it's going to yeah. be a hell of a fight. Uh, Rob Waddell, what lets Pettis down more, his defensive wrestling or his willingness to get pushed up against the fence? Which one, Anthony or Sergio? He's talking about Anthony. Uh. And also, <laughs> it, sound, it, it sounds like the hunger is kind of gone. Could a camp change do him any good? Actually, um. Rob, I'd love to answer this question first. Uh, I think you said it best. The hunger is kind of gone. And that, to me, it, it's just all about the mindset here. I don't think a camp change would do him any good because that would be leaving the people that brought him up. And not only that, what, what else is there left for, for him to do, man? He's accomplished everything there is to do in this sport. He's doing it for the paycheck now and just because he moves camps or whatever that's not gonna just change his mentality he doesn't have that same dog he once had and, and that's no disrespect that's that, that's just facts uh you guys know that fire left after the rda fight but the guy still makes a lot of money and you got to respect him yeah it's just more so like you know when you lose the belt in that fashion and then you have those like demoralizing losses to eddie where it was he could have literally if it was just a change in attitude, he probably could have won that fight. And then, you know, you trickle that into Barboza. Okay, but then you bounce back. But then you have that botched weight cut at 145 against Holloway. You get finished there. And then you come back up to 55s, you get a win. But it's just the losses at towards the end on that, on that last stretch of that run. The Poye fight, I mean, there was a lot of blood that he lost in that fight. I mean, the cage was covered in blood. And then the, then you, uh, the Ferguson fight, I mean, Ferguson was on top of him, molly whopping him. I mean, he dropped Ferguson, but Ferguson gets dropped every fight. And then the, the Diaz fight, similar thing. Diaz, I mean, he turned his back away. He, he's got a couple good wins here and there. He can get a flash KO, but... Yeah, the drive just isn't there anymore. Uh, he's made all the money in the world, and I just think it's kind of been beat out of him, honestly. I just think that these guys have taken literally chunks out of him, and uh, he's just wounded warrior, man. I think that now at this stage in his career, what he need, if, if he wants to keep fighting and make consistent money and make two checks, I feel like maybe now this is the time where he does the... Uh, 
you know, the Shogun. Like, you need to start fighting lesser competition. Let's start giving, uh, you know, some of these young kids a, a chance. And, you know, where you've got more experience. And, you know, maybe uh, who you got between him and Alexander Hernandez? Hernandez. <laughs> who you got between him and uh, Armand Saruki? <laughs> Saruki? Are you kidding me? You know, they were wrestling. <laughs> what about Pettis versus Nazrat? Um, you know, like, like he needs to go down to that that stage. You yeah. know, with the with the Jakars. Could you and imagine that. Pettis versus Dover? You know, oh my God, Dover would fucking. <laughs> <laughs> right, wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah. Great question, man. Warrior like says, "Will John Jones get knocked the fuck out in 2020?" I mean, dude, this is the great thing about this sport is that these things happen when you least expect yeah. them, and this guy's been undefeated since he came into the UFC back in what. 2008 some shit like that maybe maybe 2007 so to see that here in 2020 or just any point it's gonna be a historical moment when when that guy finally loses if he if he finally loses you know what i mean uh i remember like i've told you guys many times on the show i was in attendance when chris weidman knocked out anderson silva the first time and it was a very shocking moment in our sports history and that right there just let me know that no one's invincible so yeah it could happen man so but it, you could also see him continue to dominate, so I just can't wait to see. But, yeah, if it does happen, all I'm saying is I'm not going to be, like, you know, so surprised. Like, this is the fight game. If you fight long enough, this shit will happen. Yeah, I won't be surprised at all. He's fighting an undefeated guy next. And uh, sometimes people have to... Sometimes it's time for the belts to change, man. I remember when DJ went down, everyone was like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, you remember when he went down or when Ronda Ra- the great Ronda Rousey went down? Yeah. Uh, the great Conor McGregor went down? Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva. I mean, it happens to the best of them. It's only a matter of time. So, I mean, I remember when McGregor lost. I mean, at the time, at the time when he lost to Diaz, I mean, he was a fucking god at the time. And, uh, I mean, it was shocking, so. You know, every, anything can happen in this sport. Will he get knocked out in 2020? I can't wait to. We're about to find out here very soon. Very soon. soon. <laughs> uh, Joshua Lowe says, what's your thoughts on Conor versus Justin at 170? So basically, kind of like most Conor fights, Conor could knock him the fuck out in the first round. But if this gets dragged in the deep waters against a guy like Gaethje, I cannot wait to see what that would be like. Yeah, I mean, McGregor looked really good, but it was a, definitely a, the be- a good tune-up fight to come back to. You know what Gaethje did to him? Now the thing with Gaethje is he in the, uh, you know against McGregor it's very easy to get you know sucked into his shit and get a overconfident and next thing you know he's in your head a little bit and Gaethje's never been on a stage like that he's you know I know he's uh, one of the most exciting fighters in the game but I think that uh, his win streak I think it's great I mean I think Gaethje's one hundred percent top five could fight for the title but also at the same time. He has been fighting lesser competition than, you know, the Poyes and the Eddie Alvarez's at the time of when they fought. So I think that uh, Gaethje, well, how would you set the line if uh, if they fought? Let's see if there is a line, firstly. They got a dead pick So it's a pick Yeah, I mean, Gaethje's been looking good. He's got a lot of talent. How many knockouts? A lot. Uh, a bunch of knockouts. So, I mean, he's a... Uh, he's, uh, but, you know, Connor. Connor. I think he said something. Uh, he told Justin, "Let's not forget the two guys that knocked you out. I, <laughs> I schooled them both. So, you know, uh, he's got a point there. But Gaethje, man, you can never count that guy out. And Gaethje, man, if you get into a war with that guy, he might kill you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So deep waters. I favor Gaethje. Early, I favor Connor. 
Eight Ball Rocco says, "Do you feel like playing lines like minus six hundred or like last week a minus twelve hundred is worthwhile? Are they too risky? Regardless, hope you're well. Let's keep rolling." What do you think, Shaq? Um. Yeah. I mean, there's been times where you know it could be. I mean, it just depends on the spot, man. You, you know, you just have to do all, all your research. But uh, I think, you know, if, like, is Montel lined high enough or is it too low? You know, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. I just think it depends on the spot. But for the most part, I'd say, yeah. Stilio Canto says, Hypothet- hypothetically, speak- <laughs> hypothetically speaking, what would your guy's record be, in your own opinion, if you fought every woman on the UFC roster? People think I'm crazy. For thinking I would send Nunes or Cyborg into orbit. Uh, firstly, girl, I, firstly, I ain't finding any girl. But uh, Amanda Nunes would knock me into next week, man. She would knock me the fuck out. If we uh, grappled on the mat, she would tap me out. She's a black belt. Um, yeah, I mean, dude, uh, these chicks are serious, man. So, you know, and, and it's just not a good what look. What about to, you versus Rocky Pennington? It's just not a good look, like, you know. To 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 say, oh yeah, I would yeah, I'd beat a girl. So like, you think you could beat Rocky Pennington in a fight? <laughs> um, I'll, I'll answer that off air. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I've grappled with Tisha Torres and Angela Hill before. Um, so like, yeah. you know, that's that'd be different than going with Nunez and Cyborg. Nunez and Cyborg would fuck me up for sure. But like the straw weights, it's like, again, training. You know, what shit. about Felicia Spencer? Uh, you know, listen, man. <laughs> It, it, don't you're getting me in the hot water, brother? I, I, so, uh, but I appreciate the question and all the support as always, my guy. All right, well, Shaq. Uh, now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So, what is the fight to watch for USC Relay? My fight to watch is gonna be Alex Perez versus Jordan Espinosa. The flyweights are some of the most uh, is arguably the most exciting weight class on the roster. We know the type of pace that you have to have to fight in that weight class and. Look, the winner of this fight's going to be in prime position to get a big fight up here. I think it's number 10 versus number 11. You know, uh, the winner of this fight should get a, you know, a very good fight. And both these guys are super exciting, man. Espinosa's got the speed, but Perez is, you know, the big bully in there. And I'm excited to see the matchup. And I think there's a chance somebody gets finished. Yeah, look, my fight to watch is uh, Arnold Allen versus Nick Lentz. I've been very high on Arnold Allen for the longest time. Nick Lentz is a very well-respected veteran. This is that classic match where, Arnold, are, are you ready to, to break into upper echelon of the division? Nick Lentz is the perfect gatekeeper to find out. A very crafty veteran. This will be an exciting fight. Arnold Allen versus Nick Lentz is my fight to watch. Well, Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC on ESPN Plus 24? Uh, my fighter to watch is going to be um, Montel Jackson. I know he's a big favorite this weekend, but I feel like depending on the type of performance he has against Colores, you know, we, uh, we'll we get to see, you know, where he goes from there because if he kind of struggles with him, they'll probably, you know, keep him, uh, you know, on the slow on the slow track. But if he comes out here and finishes a guy like Colores, who's a super tough guy, early on in the first round and dominates him like how he did Kelleher's last fight, don't be shocked if they... Uh, Say, you know, Montel, maybe maybe you are ready for uh, the upper echelon at 135. Montel Jackson, always a guy to watch. Always curious to see what he's going to do. He's got a very underrated opponent here that he's facing. But for me, my fighter to watch is Brett Johns. Look, this is a guy that's got his back up against the wall. All the pressure in the world. The weight of uh, 
the world on his shoulders, and uh, and he has no easy easy fight here against a D1 wrestler and a very experienced guy in Tony Gravely, but Brett Johns is coming off wins over two top five opponents, and if he can come out here and get back on track against a guy like Tony Gravely, I think that people could start looking at him in, you know, maybe a fringe top 15 guy like they once were. He used to be 15-0. He was a very high prospect. People had high hopes for him. He lost against very stiff competition. A win here. Puts him uh, back in the good graces, and I'm very excited to see what he does. So for that reason, Brett Johns is my fighter to watch. Well, Shaq, we did it. It's going down this Saturday at UFC Raleigh. They can get our bets at bestfightpicks.com. They can follow you on Twitter at MMAGenius05, on Instagram at ShaqBFP. They can follow me at bestfightpicks on Twitter. Our Instagram is bestfightpicksofficial. Make sure you subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, and all the places where we are available. We truly appreciate all our fans, all our supporters. Thank you guys so much. We love you. Uh, Cannot wait to show you guys what we've been working on. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.